0: Well, hey everyone, welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University.
1: And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation and communication. And
0: we are excited today for our show. Stephen Chandler is our guest. Steven is pastor of uh, Union Church in Maryland, sought after speaker, author and leader with a passion for serving uh, so many people. Stephen and his wife live in Maryland have three children. It's great having you with us today. Super honored to be here. Yeah, man. We've been looking forward to uh, hosting you on campus. And as we start our, our conversation, um, I know Union actually was named the fastest growing church in America by Outreach Magazine, right? So it was. You're, you're... Yeah. We,
2: are, we are holding on for dear life. <laughs> holding yes. on for dear life. I like to say we're an overnight success, 10 years in the making.
0: Wow, so. that's oh, good. That's awesome. And when you first started pastoring at Union, what what did this opportunity mean for you, and how did you get the ministry to just really begin to exponentially grow and develop? Well, there was nothing in our
2: start that indicated we would be where we were. I'm a pastor's Mm -hmm. kid. My dad pastored longer than middle life. And um, I became the senior pastor of my father's church at the Ripe old age of 23 years old. I was 23, I was single. I had never been to seminary, and I thought that was three strikes, you're out. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you don't have what it takes. And uh, I remember just being so intimidated, like, you know, felt called to the ministry, loved to preach, but I'm like, man, I don't know if I have what it takes. And kind of working through those insecurities. And uh, we connected with a phenomenal church planning organization called ARC, and they Mm kind of walked us through the process. Had about 150 people after the first year, 250, 350, 450 after four years. And then it just stalled out. And that church would not grow for two and a half years. And I mean, I went from discouraged to downright <laughs> depressed. I'm like, this is going to be the shortest church run ever. It's all that I have. Like, maybe mm-hmm. this isn't what God called me to do. And it got to the point where I actually tried to give the church away. Wow. I was like, let's see if we could find another senior pastor, or went mm-hmm. to a large church in town and said, hey, would you take us on as a campus? And they said, no. And my joke is always, you know, you have a bad church when you can't even give it away. Nobody (laughs) wants it. And I I realize, you know, a lot of times we talk about how God will open doors. We miss the fact that God will also close doors. He will lock you in a situation until Mm -hmm. you learn what you need to learn. And I realize in hindsight that God has to do something in you Mm. before he can do something through you. And there was that internal work that was going on. And... After that two and a half years, we learned some growth principles and started to pray and apply and raise up leaders and develop mm-hmm. teams. It, it grew slowly for the next three years, and then it doubled three years in a row and love it it. took off. That's love awesome. It.
1: Now That's awesome. In union, and Union, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys kind of went through a little, little bit of a leadership transition in the last couple of years. Right with different stuff. Talk to us about how that worked and how did that navigate as far as taking on to the next level as far as leadership goes?
2: Definitely. So I inherited the church or became Mm. the senior pastor of my dad's church. It was probably Mm. about 50 people at the time. It was New Life International Fellowship Fellowship Church of God. I like to say the name was so long it couldn't even fit on the side of the church band. And uh, so we we, we tried to be a lot more modern in 2011, so we changed it to Destiny Harvest Church. Church. Had to leave the harvest in there. There we go. Had to. And uh, then just last year in 2021, one of my best friends, Pastor Jimmy Rollins, right. pastored a phenomenal church, probably about 20 minutes away from us. And mm-hmm. we started conversations of what do we look like to bring the two churches together. So I, Five City Church, and Destiny Church merged last Easter mm-hmm. 2021 and became Union Church in the last 18 wow. months have been just the process of taking two churches, two DNAs, mm-hmm. uh, two visions, and bring them together into what God has it as now.
1: And I love it. So talk us a little bit of some of the leadership principles you've learned from this process, because I think this is this is something that could be an opportunity for so many churches, so many organizations to yeah, yeah. partner, to be healthy, and you guys are doing it so well. Mm. What have you learned? How have you been able to do it that way? Well?
2: well, I'll be honest with you, the the the, the merge between those two churches was the second time I took over somebody else's vision. Mm. The first time was my father's church. Right. And the first time I did a horrible job. Yeah. I changed everything instantly and it was all about oh, the new. So and I didn't take any time to honor what was. Wow. Yeah. And I've learned that if you don't honor what was, you will not have any buy-in or credibility yeah. so about true. what you want to do. And really, you know, as a leader, we're visionaries. We know mm-hmm. where we want to go. We know what we want to do but the people around us have a vision for their life as well. Yeah. right? And if they're the ones that God has for you, their vision will fit into your vision. Mm-hmm. So it's important as a leader almost to listen before you talk yeah. and to okay. really the leaders, the people that God's placed around you, What's the vision that they have for their ministry, for their life, for their family? And then help them see how that vision mm-hmm. can fit into what God's called you to do. Yeah. Love we, it.
0: we uh, Jim Collins talks about that in his book, Good to Great, that you can you can never know the potential of an organization until you know the potential of the people. Yeah. You take time to, to listen mm-hmm. and discover, and that's so good. Now, Union actually has an emphasis on uh, leading entire families to a passionate Uh, relationship with God. What motivated you and your team to continue strengthening families in that context, and and what does that look like? Well, I think there's a couple different
2: angles. I think, first of all, the family is the first institution that God established. Um, Mm I'm not going to get into theological argument, but I think God created the church to fix the family yes. mm-hmm. because when the family broke down, he said, I need to have something else to to put it back together. So I think family is God's ordained launch pad for mm-hmm. people's purpose and destiny and all that's going forward. My favorite verse in all the scripture is John 1:14, And the word became flesh and walked amongst us. And I think if our faith is genuine. You should see evidence of it in every aspect of our lives, not just our Sunday experience or even our relationship with God, but you should see evidence of our faith in our finances, our Mm. friendships, our careers, our health, every aspect of our lives. So really helping people say, hey, if you're a genuine follower of God, there should be evidence of it in every
1: of your life. So how do you structure that within your organization? What does that mean to make sure that you're resourcing all the different areas so that families have everything they need to grow into a close relationship? Definitely. Well,
2: probably like a lot of churches today, we have a small group model (laughs) where um, our church, thousands of people will break down in groups of 10 and 15 people all over Maryland, DC, a little (laughs) bit of Virginia. And we're intentional about making sure that those small groups speak to every aspect of people's lives. So there are fitness groups, there are parenting groups, there's marriage groups, there's investing groups, there's real estate Mm -hmm. groups, entrepreneurial groups, Bible study groups, prayer groups, freedom groups, all the typical you know, discipleship groups, but there's lifestyle groups as well that help people get a biblical perspective for Mm -hmm. every ounce of their life.
1: So what advice would you give on that? I'm sure you get a lot of young professionals, people in that kind of transition coming out of college, Mm -hmm. they're looking for a church for the first time, they're in their first career. What advice would you give? to somebody in that stage of life that's trying to find a church community? What do they need to be looking at? How can they be proactive in that process?
2: Definitely. Well, I think there's two things that you need to look for when you're looking for a church. The first thing is, where is the place that is going to position me and my family to fulfill the call of God in our lives? Mm -hmm. Like, Where's the place that's going to build us, challenge us, disciple us, convict us, encourage us, all those different things? And then the second thing is, where's the place that my family can serve and help advance the kingdom of Mm -hmm. God? I truly believe as Christians and just all of humanity, we do ourselves a major disservice by not finding our place in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. It's not just about us and our family and our progress, but it is what part is God having me play? in what He's doing here on earth. And when you find a place where you can do those two things, a lot yeah. of times people will be at a church where they're serving and they're moving the church forward, but their faith has stagnated Stagnate. sure. mm-hmm. or the inverse of that. Right. The, uh, it's feeding my faith and right. you know building me up and all mm-hmm. that. And then I run out in the parking lot, jump right. in my car Take and the off. second they say, yep. amen, and I'm yep. gone. Right. And those are both gonna be imbalanced approaches yeah. to the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah. Now, I want to transition a little bit here. Uh, Stephen, you have a clear passion for helping people discover their God-given destiny. Uh, And and we we say it around here, divine design. Uh, And and in your latest book, Stop Waiting for Permission, you talk about how people can really live through God's purpose. And one of my favorite quotes from this book is, if God made powerless or insignificant people— they wouldn't be made in his image. Yeah. I love that. Tell us a little bit about the heart behind that message and, and what you're hoping readers will take away overall. Well, I think there was two distinct seasons of my life. The
2: first was between that 16 and 21 age where I truly believed there was nothing special about me. I, 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 didn't, I had an older sister, and I was tell her she was a genius, got into every Ivy League school that she applied to, classical pianist, mm. this big charismatic wow. personality. And then you had this second-born Steven, who's this <laughs> you know, awkward, introverted, only played piano because my parents threatened to take <laughs> soccer away if I didn't mm-hmm. practice. And, and I believed the lie of the enemy, that there was nothing special or unique about me. Yeah. I didn't have much to offer. And then the other season was that year, the two and a half years where the church wasn't growing. I realized on the other side of that, that I was praying, that I was living a life of integrity, I was studying the Word, but there's a little bit more than prayer and studying the Word to maximize all that God has for you. And as I began to get around great leaders, great men and women of God, and learn the principles of progress that they were applying to their lives, I realized I was missing a lot. So the heart behind this book is first to inspire people mm. that a great God cannot make insignificant people. Yeah, Genesis one twenty seven. we were made in mm-hmm. the image of God. Male and female, we were made in the image of God. If we're made like God and God is great and God is creative right. and God has great right. purpose inside, of, we all have the same. Yeah. And then the second thing is... You don't just maximize your purpose by sitting around and waiting for God to open a right. door. And that's not that's not how it works. You can yeah. actually feel you look at some of these great leaders and you can feel that they just got lucky. Mm. They just had intellect that nobody else had, or right. they had a connection. No, 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 no. Every single person that has great influence has worked, has sacrificed, has discovered their gifts, have developed the gifts, have pushed through unimaginable pain. And these are principles that all of us can apply to our lives.
1: Oh, and that's so powerful. I feel like there's so many of our listeners that feel like they're in that season, that waiting season, trying to figure out how do I maximize the opportunities, how to maximize my calling, my mm-hmm. career, all that kind of thing. You know, you gave advice about making connections. How can young leaders, young professionals build those connections, find the mentors that they need in life to help yeah. them kind of grow in those seasons? Let
2: me answer that and circle yeah. back to one thought and the same uh, answer. One thing that 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 young professionals have to realize is you've gotta build a foundation for success. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you can see someone who's 20, 30 years into their career and like, I wanna be there now. That's not how it works. The Bible says when you're faithful with little, you'll be trusted with much. And I think, how do I meet the right Mm -hmm. people? How do I get around the right people? Step number one is maximize where you are right now. When you are faithful with what you have and you make it better than it was when it was given to you, you will be noticed. Mm-hmm. God will make sure the right people find you and identify you. But if you're not faithful with what you have, let's say you do meet somebody with great influence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not going to take you seriously. Right. Because you haven't been faithful with where you are.
0: Yeah. I love it. In your book you talk a lot about fear and failure and how although these hurdles, you know that we try to avoid, they should be things we overcome. And we tend to make excuses and allow limitations to keep us from future success. What are some things in your life that have helped you overcome these kinds of setbacks? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think this is something that we don't talk a lot about. We
0: may talk about it in church, but not actually in
2: the business world or career sure. or whatever. We've gotta deal with our heart issues. Mm. There, there is no human being that has made it through life that hasn't gone through trauma, discouragement, right. setback, mm. and it does something to our hearts. And a lot of people don't wanna admit it, but they're driven by fear of failure Mm. because of some trauma in their past, or they're driven by insecurity or whatever it may be. And when we're driven by things that are not of God, here's the scary thing, it brings great results. Wow. Like workaholics get stuff done and they move things forward sometimes at the expense of their relationships or their health or their integrity. So it's scary that bad motives can actually get you progress. So you've got to do the work to examine your heart, to allow Mm -hmm. God to examine your heart, to make sure that your motives are healthy Mm -hmm. so that you can actually not just start strong, but finish strong.
1: Oh, that's so powerful because there's nothing worse than being put into an opportunity you weren't prepared for. Yeah. And that's so... I think that's a danger that so many people don't... Not just any age, right? Not, this is not just a young person thing, but across the board, if you haven't done the hard work of preparing yourself for that opportunity across the board, um, that's where failure, true failure comes. So when you talk about being prepared for those opportunities, especially motivations, I want to harp on that. How do you know what your motivations are. What are those red flags you need to be looking for in your own life and your relationships and those around you? So
2: I I think two thoughts. One is you're not Jesus. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Jesus is the only person that has 100% pure motives all the time. So I think we need to embrace our humanity Mm -hmm. and acknowledge the fact that it doesn't matter how godly or humble we are. We do not have 100% pure motives. Nobody does. So when you come from that position, you're always God, examine my heart. And identify the next thing I need to work on because there's always another thing in my heart Mm. that I need to work on. And then the other thing is the the flip side of the coin is that God never required perfection Mm. to be used by Him. He requires humility and reliance on Him. And sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves because we haven't hit the level of humility or godliness or whatever it may that we want to. And, and, and the thing is, God's not going to wait until you become perfect to start using you in a great way. I love
0: it. And, and, and I want to go back to that process of, of examining, um, uh, you know, having God examine your heart. And <laughs> so, from a very practical way, how did you discover? Your heart and what what how did how did that work? Yeah. Some, yeah.
2: So here's how I describe it: when you um, are driving a car, they have all the instruments in front of you, and it doesn't just let you know your speed, let you know how much gas you have, right. water pressure, then, yeah. all all these gauges. And if something is off, a light's gonna come up. You, mm-hmm. You're gonna have an indication on that gauge. We need to be self-aware enough yeah. that we have a gauge of our hearts, mm-hmm. that yeah, we know. Good. When my motives are getting off or when I'm, I'm in an unhealthy place, mm-hmm. this is not talking about Steven, some hypothetical other person. Sure. Let's say perchance, <laughs> that when I get irritated, I might get a little short with people. Not me.
1: Let's pretend nobody else on this table deals with that either. Right? It's, not just, not it's just hypothetical, Steven. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I know. If I'm starting to get a little short sure. with people and I'm giving mm. one-word answers and so they ask me questions and I just stare back at them and I say nothing and yeah. that stare means something, yep. it, hey, Steven, chill out a little bit. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> yeah. examine your heart. You, you uh, might want this too much or your identity might be sure. tied into mm-hmm. this. Or mo- yeah. So we all have those gauges. I'll, I'll give you one. Um, I am not a crier, which my wife reminds me all the time. Like, dude, show some type of emotion. It's yeah. just like I'm even keeled. Mm-hmm. So I know that when I'm in church, when I'm in my quiet time, when I'm worshiping, if I'm not moved emotionally in the presence of God, and it's been months since the presence of God has touched me in an emotional, Stephen, your heart's getting hard. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're getting calloused yeah. because the presence of God, out of everything in my life, it's the presence of God that should move me more mm-hmm. than anything else. So we've gotta have those gauges. Here's another thing. You've got to have trusted people in your life yes. mm-hmm. that can identify those right.
1: gauges, yep.
2: that can say, hey, you're not yourself. Yeah. Yep. Hey, I see when you get like this, how, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because we all have
1: blind spots. Right.
0: Absolutely. And we,
1: to say we, we want to be perfectly self-aware is great, but nobody is. Yeah. Well, and I think this speaks to the, why you have to have margin in your life. Right. Yeah. So many people, they have these gauges, they have these check engine lights, they've got you know their their spouse or their friends being like, hey, you guys, hey, what's going on? Something's coming. But they're moving at such a pace that they don't give themselves the time to actually reflect and be like, oh, I need to do something different, or I need to address this. And so how can how can people build margin into their lives? I hate that word, margin. <laughs> 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 I'm uh, just in a season right yeah. now. I mean, yeah. new book
2: came out, church is growing, three kids under right. six, wife, staff. Yep. Yep. Margin totally. is like crazy right now, uh, but I think th- this is just how I operate. Mm-hmm. I am a worst case scenario type of person. I think a lot of leaders are. If mm-hmm. I can figure out how bad it can get, and I can have strategy for it not to go there, mm-hmm. and and I just I force myself to think, Steven, what happens if you don't rest? What happens if you burn out? Yeah. What happens? Okay, so because we don't want to end up there. You have to force yourself yep. because life won't give you margin. <laughs> no, no. It won't. Well life won't give you moments yeah. to breathe. So right. just little stuff like, hey, if you're in ministry or not in ministry, you need a Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. What is a Sabbath? A day where you stop doing stuff to make you money. Mm-hmm. Right. Period. Right. For me, that's not Sunday. Because no. I work on Sunday. No,
1: right. <laughs> so it has well, to be another day. And it's yeah. it's so powerful you say that life doesn't give you um, margin, your vision won't give you margin either. No, And that's why God gives you margin. That's why He commands it. He puts that in there and all that kind of stuff. There are always more opportunities
2: than you should say yes to. Yes. So learning how to say no, and it's dealing with the insecurity deal. I'm young. Mm -hmm. What God is doing in my life is a few years new. Mm -hmm. So there's the fear of, if I say no, Will that opportunity come back around? Right. What What, what if I don't maximize this relationship mm-hmm. or whatever it may be? Is yeah. that a door that will close forever? Yeah. And if you're not secure in the fact that God holds your future mm-hmm. and that He's ordering your steps, Amen. you will say yes to stuff that God doesn't have for you. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's just not a God
0: thing. Right. Wow. Amen. So good. Well, we're gonna close our conversation with our fire round, just ask a few questions. Oh, that, gosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit about everything that we've talked about uh, and just answer with, with what comes to your mind quickly, your gut. We want to grab a few practical and applicable pieces of advice for those that are listening. So just three questions. Michael, you can fire the first one off.
1: Okay. So how would you, how do you help somebody maximize their potential, right? So I'm talking about a mentorship relationship, right? Somebody that you're working with, that you're guiding them. What are some of the ways that you can help them maximize their calling? So step number one, what is in your hand?
2: There is something Mm. in your hand. Maximize what's in your hand Mm. before you look for something new. As you're maximizing what's in your hand, look for what comes naturally. Mm. There's things that you have to force yourself to do because you're disciplined. And then there's things that just come natural. Those things that come naturally, that's gonna be a clue to your gifting and your gifting is gonna be a clue to your purpose. Love it.
0: So good. What's the number one thing you'd say to those struggling with comparison?
2: Hmm, man, you gotta do the hard work and and you've, you've got to anchor yourself. If, if I'm struggling with comparison, I don't truly believe that God has a great future for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I'm so intimidated by somebody else's future. Mm-hmm. And I've got to do the hard work to say, no, God called me, knows me, named me, and He has a great future for my life.
1: Yeah. Wow. Love awesome. it. Last question for us. What's the most important disciplines for leaders to have in their life?
2: Being an aggressive learner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I find when people graduate from college and they're no longer forced to learn, they don't know how to learn. Mm-hmm. And some of the greatest learning comes after your degree, not yep. before That's right. That's it. And right. the greatest leaders are aggressive
0: learners. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to learn how to be an aggressive learner. Yeah, it's a way of life. It becomes a way of life. Yeah. Well, Stephen, man, we are so privileged to have you uh, on campus and thanks for this great conversation. Very much appreciate it. Uh, Grateful for the insight you provided all of us. And if you want to stay up to date with Stephen, you can follow him on Instagram at Stephen Chandler. You can also go to StephenChandler.com to check out other ways to follow him and order your own copy of Stop Waiting for Permission. Again, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Engel at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Engel. And hey, if you love great, email newsletters. And I know that I do. You want to check out the Framework Leadership newsletter every single Friday, drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop onto there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.